Give it up for Sheriff T. Sheriff T. Well, good morning again, everybody. I had a fun time playing guitar this morning. You guys all looked like you were toe-tapping along with me, especially in that last song there with our hoedown. So while the kids are getting ready to come back and relearn their line dance a little bit and come back and show you all again, um, this gives me an opportunity to just share kind of our heart of loft country and, um, and what our mission is, other than giving the kids a great time, behind that. And so thanks for coming out today. Again, just taking the opportunity to to show the mission of uh, Loft Country. And to do so, I'm going to put up, this is Cowboy Church, and I'm going to put up a scripture that'll make sense later after I share a little bit. And the scripture is this, Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. The world has changed a lot in the last generation. I got to tell you, it's probably changed more than any other generation in the last 20 years. You sitting here today, you know, if you're even around my age, you can definitely attest to that. When I was a kid, my phone was still attached to the wall. Anybody in here today, they were a kid, their phone was still attached to the wall and you had to like push buttons in on the wall. And even before that, which my grandparents had, had these, actually when I was really young, had the rotary dial. Matter of fact, it was really funny. It was a few years back. My boy was a little bit younger and we were over at a friend's place and they had an antique phone on the wall with a rotary on it. And all I was just looking and taking it for granted and all of a sudden it hit me and I thought, do the kids in here even know how to use this thing? And so I said to them, try to use this phone. And so they were looking at the rotary and they were trying to figure it out. And one of them like took one of the holes and tried to put it up to the number. And no one knew that all you had to do was bring it around and let the rotary go. And this is how far we have literally come in one generation, really in like 20 years, the kids don't even know how to use an old phone because there's just no such thing other than in the museums anymore are these old phones or on people's walls as they're showing off antiques. Now a child in their hand has more power in most kids' hand in that little phone than the technology it took to put a man on the moon. Most kids have that in their hand today. In one generation, literally, they have more power in their hand in this smartphone than the power they used with a room full of computers back in the day when they put a man on the moon. And so these things are absolutely amazing. They are. The phones are absolutely amazing. You just have to talk to your phone now. It was, uh, I was showing people the other day that they're like, they're always forgetting things. And I'm saying, well, just talk to your phone and tell it to remind you to do it. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, hit the button. It's like, remind me tomorrow at 10 a.m. to call so-and-so. Actually, it was my sister-in-law. I said, remind me tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. to text my brother-in-law how awesome he is. And so uh, I got a text the next morning saying, you are awesome. So I should <laughs> do that quite a bit. But we could just talk to it messages around the world. We literally text people now around the world in an instant. Whereas before we had to dial the phone and because they were stuck to the wall, not everybody had them. You hoped you got them in their home. You know, you hoped they were home to be able to give them a phone call. If not, you tried several times a day. And then we finally got answering machines. So you could leave a message to call back, hoping that they would be calling at the right time, or you'd have to set a time to call. Whereas now we're just texting back and forth and it's so instant. People used to write letters to each other. Does anybody ever remember writing letters to each other? That's how far things have come in one generation. Think about Google. Like we're all smart in this room now. We don't, we just like, 
We just know the answer because we Google it. When we were kids, a lot of us, we had dictionaries and encyclopedias. They were like on the wall. You like pulled them out and had to look it up. Now it's like, Google, tell me. One generation and all this technology has happened. GPSs. I can remember the scraps that my wife and I used to get on on our honeymoon. We'd be down in the States and she was not a very good map reader. And we would be in the middle of town and it would be like, where are we going? And we'd be missing turns literally just 20 years ago, holding maps in the car, blocking half of the, the windshield where you're driving. Sometimes I'd be grabbing it, putting it in front of the steering wheel. And now we just have, tell me where to go. And I have an Australian lady talking to me on my uh, GPS, but uh, telling me where to go and how to get there. And uh, things have changed so much. But as I think about this and what we do here, I often come to the conclusion or often think about how not all progress is progress. You know, these little devices are so amazing, but they're also causing a lot of problems. They really are. You know, we walk into a restaurant, even relationally now, we walk into a restaurant and, you know, a few years back, people would be talking and laughing and kids would be coloring. And now you walk into a restaurant and the whole family's just got their heads down. And they're all looking at their phones and texting other people. And there's hardly relationship anymore. You, I challenge you today, just walk in a restaurant, look around. Most people have their heads down. They're not even conversing with one another. Let's go for dinner so that we can all talk on our phones. That's where it has gotten to. And so it is amazing because with all this going on and all the friends that they have on their phone, there was recent surveys done to say that now in this generation, the smartphone generation, a child's number one problem is when they survey them is loneliness. They have more friends than ever before on their phones. They know everybody. They can talk to everybody around the world. You can message everybody around the world. But surveys tell us, studies tell us now that the number one problem with a smartphone generation is that kids are struggling with loneliness. That's a problem. Another thing that's happening with these devices is that innocences are, are, are being tampered with way too early. I remember when I was a kid and I went into my bedroom at night, it was like a safe spot. It was like go in there and everything's quiet. And nobody's going to bug me. Now we walk in with these phones and rather than going alone, we go in with a hundred friends, right? That's what is happening a lot of times to our children. Never mind the exposure Recent studies, I don't know if you guys follow this, but most kids are having mass exposure to pornography before they ever hit teenage years. And they're getting so smart. I heard the other day that there's these apps that like trick their parents on the GPS. Like, you know how you track phones? There's these apps that tell you that they're somewhere else. So they're getting smarter than us. We can't keep up. We're the old generation. And so they got these apps that they say, I'm at so-and-so house and they're somewhere else. And so this is the stuff that, yeah, they're so cool, but they're causing problems in our life. Another one of the big problems is this instant gratification of everybody wanting to be liked and putting up pictures. And man, you can have a great day or a terrible day depending on who likes and who doesn't like. And so much has changed so fast. Not to mention the cameras and the selfie generation that we're entering in. Not only with kids, but we deal with a lot of youth. And um, recent studies show that 25% of our female youth have already sent off inappropriate pictures. 25%, that's one in four. One in four. Do you know what I had to do in my day to do something like that? That's what I'd had to do. I had to get my camera. There's these things called cameras that aren't phones. And I would have had to like take a picture 
This is what you'd have to do in the old days. Take a picture. You would have to go down to your pharmacy or place to develop the film and hope that people wouldn't look at it as you developed the film. You would get your thing of pictures back. You would have to pick your best photo. You would have to put it in an envelope, go to the post office, put a stamp on it, and send it and wait three or four days, sometimes even a week for it to arrive at the person that you wanted to send this picture to. And I think... You know, that's really slow, but the good part about that, somewhere along that process, we would have had, to, had time to go, not a good idea, right? Not a good idea. But now everything's just so fast and so intense that our kids are getting into trouble without even realizing it. And so the bottom line really is with all of this too, we're losing, we have lost real accountable face-to-face relationships. And so that's what we love to see around here. We love to see kids put their phone down. We love to see their hands dirty, brushing horses. And, you know, we get a few allergies here and there. But you know what? Hands dirty, playing in the dirt, laughing, smiling, chasing each other around. And that's what we love to see in this generation. You know, another thing that I've noticed uh, in this generation is how kids are being prepared for the future. We think about this a lot because not only camp, but like I said, we, we have a youth program all year round and people from all different backgrounds. And, and so we look at how kids are being prepared for life. And what we've come to notice is kids are really being raised to be victims. They are. When I grew up, it was completely different. Now, I don't expect to go way back to where I grew up, but if I, you know, I would hear things like, you quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. You know, I don't expect to go back to that. But I had to get up in the morning. I had to work. You know, if I was messing up the night before, my dad got me up in the morning and, and we got to work. And like I said, we, there's, there's some things that we've definitely progressed from, but I think we've lost a lot in the process. And I think sometimes we're preparing our kids maybe a little more for victimhood than we are for being survivors. And unfortunately, it's a lot of times out of parents' hands. We're seeing it in culture. We're seeing it in pop culture. We're seeing it in society. And, and unfortunately, it's even showing up in schools where people are taught to have a reaction to everything and for everything to bother them, and to be offended about everything and to have safe places to go in case they get too offended. And, and the problem with all this is when they get out into the real world, I'm sure some of you agree with me, that's not how we get dealt with in the real world. We can't in the middle of our job one day and just say, oh, I'm having trouble. I'm going to my safe space. They're like, no, you're fired or you're not going to get your paycheck. And so I really feel like that's some of the things that we're facing in life and some of the things why I love what we do, and not only with the kids, but with youth. And that's one of the things we do with our youth is, is teach them to be strong in the world. And so I opened up with a scripture that I wanted to come back to. And it's Matthew 18, 21, 22, and it's going to make sense now. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now that's not a lot being taught these days that we got to be tough skinned. And if people bother us, you know, just let it be water off the duck's back and forgive. We're more taught to be angry about the situation. And, and again, and it goes back to this just instant gratification of likes and not likes and emotionals here and that. And one of the things we did I thought would be fun, one of the lessons that I do teach in, in this church is a lesson on offense and, and how different it is from the world, how the wisdom of the Bible is so different from the world. The, the world says, get mad and push back. And the Bible says, just toughen up. 
You know, yeah, forgive somebody seven times. Forget it. Forgive them as many times as you can. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say, forgive others as Christ has forgiven us, which is like totally everything. And so that may sound weak, but it's actually strength. And the reason why we know it's strength is when we deal with unforgiveness, I ask you, if you're in unforgiveness with somebody, or we ask our youth these things, if you're in unforgiveness with somebody, who's in control of your life? When you hear that person's name, what happens? Oh, I get angry, I get irritated, agitated. Well, what happens is that person is holding the dial on your thermostat in your house, right? And so to be in a forgiving state or not to get offended is not weakness, it is strength. Because what happens is other people can't control our lives then. That we can achieve what we need to achieve in life based on what we're doing rather than what we're stuck in with our past. And so it may sound weak, but it's actually strength. And the interesting thing, and I'm just... The last thing I'm going to talk about today is the interesting thing in dealing with forgiveness and, and offense in the Bible is the word offense is actually a Greek word. The Bible was actually written in Greek and then translated to English. And in the original language, the word for offense is the word scandalon. And it actually directly translates bait stick. Now, I brought these two mousetraps out here today to just give the kind of example I would in my church or to the youth. And there's these mouse traps, and I want to show you what a bait stick is. I've got to put my glasses on for this. See what happens in a generation I can't even see anymore. Let's see if I can even do this. Come on. There we go. So that yellow thing there is called the scandalin. This yellow thing is called the scandalin. It's interesting in the Bible because offense literally translates scandalin, which is bait stick. And so what we do is we teach our youth and different people around here that let's not get offended, let's avoid that, because really what offense is, is a bait stick. It is a temptation for you to get wound up with something, get into unforgiveness about something, so that somebody else can control your life. And literally, the Bible teaches us that it's a bait stick. And so somebody offends us or says something mean about us or nasty about us, and what happens is we go into the bait, ah, bait stick. That actually sting more than I thought it would. He told me that he got the ones with the little springs today. Those didn't taste very little. So it's on here and my fingers are stinging. But that's literally what offense is in our lives and unforgiveness. Now we walk around with this and we get into new relationships and we still got the old relationship hanging on our fingers because we're still in unforgiveness. We literally took the bait and can't move on. And something else happens in life. Maybe it's a business deal. Maybe it's a family member that you can't give up. And all of a sudden, ah, jeepers. This happens. And so we teach our youth and kids around here that rather than be offended and have this on your life for the rest of your life, because you can see now, life gets complicated when you got mouse traps hanging off the end of your fingers. You can't even use that new phone that you got, and you have to like try to talk into it, and life gets complicated. But the moral of the story and the reality of the story is when you walk around with offense, you're walking around in pain. You're pain. And people in pain don't function well. People that walk through life with pain don't function well, and the bottom line is hurt people hurt people. And so I just wanted to share a little example of what we believe here is that we believe your kids are the future generation. And I know at camp they just get some Bible stories, but if they become wranglers and stuff, we go a little further and we love to mentor kids to become strong in our society. And I know you guys are doing such a great job, and we just wanted to know that we're alongside with you. We love kids putting their phone down, getting their hands dirty, and learning something while they're here. So, I hope they're ready to do the line dance.
Are they ready? Did anybody get something out of that this morning? Don't walk around with mouse traps on your hands. Come a long ways in one generation. So let's do a good old-fashioned line dance and see how these kids are ready. Yep, they are. All right. Yep, they're just. All right. Thanks for listening to me this morning, everybody.